What's up, everybody? How we doing? Episode 266 of Living Off the Land. I'm your host, Dan. Here with Steven. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It means L-O-T-L. And we got content for you galore once again. So, uh, Well, we'll see. Aside from the beer of the week, which we don't have. so uh, No, that's, uh, yeah, that's a boo wah, on me. Wah. Yeah. Uh, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> uh, just forgot to get it. Hand up. Forgot to get one. I could drink something we've already done that I still have in the fridge, but uh, that really doesn't help anybody. So, uh, mm. no beer this week. Uh, we'll be back with a beer next week. I can guarantee it. Oh. So, uh, You'll be free to drink whatever you want next week. I won't even be here. So, Oh, that that's works. right. Yeah, I'll be in New Jersey. So That's right. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I can drink whatever I want. I'm going to get uh, a bunch of people to come in here and drink then. Break out the nine percent ABV or whatever. Uh, that's actually what I, that's actually what I thought I was going to get this week. Uh, oh wow! Hop Juju is now available again from Fatheads, and it is it, it is literally nine percent alcohol. So <laughs> stay tuned for that next week. Okay. Anyway, uh, how you doing, Steve? How's your week going? Uh you know the week is going okay. Um, it's you know kind of. Normal work plus vacation prep, so, you know, the stress level just gradually increases with each day, and probably yep. by Thursday night, things are going to be almost a critical mass, but uh, yep. I don't I don't get, like, MB or, you know, anyone out where it's just like, Bleh! you know, it just gets it just gets so overwhelming, you try to yeah. nitpick every little thing, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. You guys will be in Seattle City for a week? Yes, we will. Uh, nice. We'll be arriving on Saturday and uh, leaving the subsequent Saturday of the twelfth. So nice. Is that Scarlett's first vacation, or did she go last year? She went last year. She okay. was uh, just under six months at the time. And, Got it. You know, she couldn't even walk at the time. But no, uh, yeah. You know, we would take her down just you know to the to the water and like dip her in as the waves were coming in, and she she really liked that actually. So you yeah, know, she slept in the little tent that we had you know during her nap time and. Yeah, you know, on the beach, and you know everything actually went about as well as could possibly be expected. Because, you know, one thing you really don't want is have a little kid get sand in their diaper, and it's just like, oh, yikes! yikes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, sounds like fun. Yeah, I don't want to get sand in my that, diaper. That might be something that happens more this year, but uh, hopefully not. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, Steve will be away next week, and then in September he's going to be away again for two straight episodes, I believe. Indeed. Yes, including uh, uh, actually three because of three or four because of the uh, post game shows. Right, because you know the week I go away to to Cameroon is the opening week of the NFL season. So, you know, it was not designed with that in mind, obviously. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be funny because uh, the games. Well, game <coughs> week one when we play Cincinnati, that game will be in prime time. Well, it'll start at six o'clock uh, Cameroon time, but. Uh, Week two against the Steelers. Will you be able to watch it? I I don't. If now we actually brought this up offline, is there a Browns backers bar anywhere in West Africa? I, I'm like they're literally. Yeah, you got to look that up. I'm thinking to myself because like Cameroon is a country where they they play basketball, they play soccer, they they don't play f- American football at all. Yeah. So like you'd think this would be one of the last places in the world where there'd be a Browns backers bar, but if there is one there, I'm gonna find it. There you go. So yeah. Yeah, so that game would start at 6 p.m. The week two game against the Steelers would not kick off until 1.30 a.m. local time. Ooh. So with that being a Monday night matchup. So uh, definitely going to miss that one no matter what. But, uh, you know, everything will be restored by week three. So, Anywho, <clears throat> we get to conclude our series tonight on – Various places within the state of Ohio and Ohio State Parks uh, that we've been going over the last few weeks. And we've also been hitting the Lake Erie Shores and Islands as well. Uh, this time we're going a little bit – we're going south. We're going away from the lakeshore tonight. Hmm. We we're actually heading down toward the Columbus area. This particular community is a community of about 31,000 people. And at the turn of the century, it only had about a third of that. 
It is the fastest growing city population wise in the entire state. It lies just north of Columbus, just off of Route 23 and I 71, uh, just north of the Polaris uh, Mall, yeah, on the north, on the very north end of Columbus. I am talking about the city of Lewis Center, Ohio. So if you've never heard of this place, yeah, it's it's a very new community. It's become like the go-to, one of the go-to almost bedroom, bougie, rich communities on the north end of Columbus. And like I said, its uh, population is about 31,000. It is the fastest growing city in the state. Uh, median household income here, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but the median household income in Lewis Center, $140,000. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Serious money in this particular area. Very bougie. If, if you're on I-71, you're in between like mile mark 125 and 122, and you look out to the right, you see all these new housing communities that have gone up in the last few years. Yeah, there, there's only a few places in Cleveland that could compare to this. You're talking about maybe Avon Westlake on the west side, maybe possibly some parts of Strongsville or Medina on the southwest, and then out east you're looking more toward the Beechwood Gates Mills area. Hmm. Uh, Pepper Pike area uh, okay. can compare, but but I mean this is this is real serious stuff here. Um, and as as I like to do, I often like to look at the um, the commercial corridors and the local businesses here. But just like last week in Oregon, not a whole lot to talk about here. There's it's you know this is an area that used to be rural, then became exurban, and then became suburban very 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 quickly. And I don't think you've really had that you know, development time to really, you know, give the place character. Mm -hmm. Really, it's pretty homogenous and pretty, um, some would even say plastic, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. But uh, if you go just, I mean, most of, most of the commercial stuff is just to the south of uh, the actual city limits on Route 23. And, of course, with Polaris Mall being very close by, you know, it, it almost sets it up that Lewis Center is basically just a bedroom community. It's very, it's very similarly positioned in North Ridgeville, my hometown, actually, because... You have a lot of commerce in places like Strongsville, North Olmstead, and Avon, and Elyria, pretty much encircling the whole area. So you don't have a lot of companies that are like breaking down the door to get in there, but you still have huge money just nearby that's going to come frequent your establishment two or three miles away. But anyway, be that as it may, the main reason we're talking about Lewis Center is the Alum Creek State Park. Mm. which lies on the east side and northeast side of town. It actually forms the east and northeast border, the Alum Creek Lake. And this is a state park that actually, there is a trail that goes all the way around Alum Creek uh, Lake, and mm -hmm. it goes for 38 miles all the way around the lake. It's It's basically just very, it's not very wide, but it goes long, probably about, I'm looking at the map, maybe about 12, 13 miles, almost from the north end of Delaware County, uh, almost down to, yeah, almost down to where I-71 kind of goes by about mile mark 123, just a little bit north of Polaris. So this particular park is, has become, as the population on the south, the north end of Columbus has blown up in recent years, this park has become one of the most popular and most heavily visited in the state. And if you go here, this it's a popular boating and camping destination. Visitors can spend the day jet skiing across thousands of acres of water or find a quiet cove to fish or paddle. Perfect for swimming and sunbathing. The beach is the largest inland beach in the Ohio State Park system. It used Years ago, it used to be at Grand Lake St. Mary's, which is out by Wapakoneta on the northwest side of the state. Not anymore. This They put a lot of money into this into, um building up this beach in a lot of the areas of this park, and it shows. Uh, largest inland beach in Ohio, uh, largest campground in the state of Ohio as well, which extends for about six miles going all the way along the west side of the lake. Uh, the boating marina is up in that area. Uh, the beach is kind of on the far south end of the lake, and then like the marina is a little bit further north of that, and that's mostly all campgrounds if you go north of there. So... Uh, visitors with children can try the family-friendly mountain bike trail and or also the half-mile storybook trail. Uh, as far as boating goes, there's 3,387 acres of water. That's a lot of water. There is actually a dam at the south end of the lake that's maintained by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So, like I said, they, they're sparing no expense on this thing pretty much. 
Uh, there are four public boat ramps. I feel like they probably need to build a few more because there's a lot of people that use this lake. Uh, and a lot of the, the lake is no wake, offering a quieter scene with tree-lined shores, shale cliffs, and sheltered inlets for paddleboarding and for canoeing. Um, and you can get those for rents uh, along the lake as well. Uh, I mentioned camping before. There's a variety of full hookup and electric sites. Uh, all are pet friendly. In fact, if you are a dog owner, in which Dan you are, mm -hmm. the Alum Creek State Park is home to the Friends of Alum Creek Dog Park, which is a four-acre dog park, which is along the lake between the marina and the beach. Interesting. This is one of the larger dog parks in the state of Ohio, it, and it is an area that sees a lot of activity. Um Fishing, uh, you'll find catches of bass, bluegill, crappy, musky, and sawgai. I don't even know what sawgai is. I've never even heard of that. Uh, along all of the uh, the Alum Lake. Uh, as I mentioned before, hiking and walking, there are 38 miles of trails in total. Uh, and ranging anywhere from multi-purpose trail to uh, your more upper-level hiking trails. I mean, it's not a very – this isn't a very – undulating terrain not very mountainous like what you'd see like down toward hocking hills or something like that but mm -hmm. there are there are some decent uh kickers along these trails and then of course i mentioned mountain biking there are three mountain biking trails on this in this park uh one is two miles one is five miles and the other is seven miles and is referred to as difficult hmm. i don't know what all that means but uh, i'm not a mountain biker i'm more of a road biker but uh might be worth checking out now, of course, I mentioned the beach, the 3,000-foot beach. 3,000 feet. So the beach is literally over half a mile long, which makes it, again, the largest inland beach in wow. the state of Ohio. Facilities include changing area, outdoor showers, restrooms, beach fenders, and sand volleyball courts. Beach is open during daylight hours. Swimming is at, oddly enough, they don't even have lifeguards there. Swimming is at your own risk. So go figure that. Hmm. Um the, the good news with that is that you don't have waves or anything, so with it being an inland lake, so you don't really have to worry about that. And then in the event that we ever have storms in the wintertime, there are hills that are large enough for sledding, snowmobiling. At the uh, Those mountain bike trails I mentioned before turn into snowmobile and possibly even cross-country skiing trails if it ever gets enough snow to be, to be used for that purpose. And then, of course, uh, if the lake actually were to freeze, then ice skating and ice fishing could be possible, too. But last winter, it only got cold enough one time right around Christmas to be able to see that. So uh, I don't know. But that is Alum Creek State Park. That is Lewis Center. And, again, if you're down in Columbus area and, you know, you've had a bit of the urban scene and just want to kind of get out of the city, this is definitely a great place to go and spend some time and spend an afternoon. So cool. That's that, and you can wham it with the right hand. Yeah, not a, not 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 Cleveland, but we'll still wham it. Cool, very cool. Uh, we got some listeners down in Columbus to shout out to you guys. I'm sure uh, I'm sure they ventured out into into that park. Uh, so uh, that that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, okay. Uh, well. Do we have to talk about the Guardians? Yeah, are we, we do. Are we writing the obituary for the Cleveland Guardians in 2023? No, we can't. I mean, can't. It, it seems, given the moves they just made, it seems appropriate to do so if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the division is still terrible. But it does start to have a little more of a feel of, are we really going to have the August and September we thought we were going to have? I don't know. My confidence I, is a little bit shaken, but I haven't lost it yet. I feel like the uh, the team failed to convert on third down, and now they're facing fourth and long, and today they just decided to punt. I don't think you're wrong in saying that. But I definitely I'm see not, it. And listen, listen, we're going to go over each each uh, move made, and you know we're going to go back to the move that was made last week as well. Uh, three trades in total before the trade deadline. Uh, not one single piece brought back that can help this team this season. Not one. That's true. 
Not well, not even Noah Syndergaard. No, because he's been horrible for four years. I'm not counting on him doing anything. And look at that. He actually was actually pretty decent in his first start last night, and then he took a line drive off the leg and he had to come out uh he had to come out come out of the game and who knows if he's gonna end up on the IL or or you know, whatever. That's so unlucky. I it's unbelievable. you know, we yeah, trade you just never know because I mean you have had players It's the fact that we got nothing back in return in any of these trades that's going to help us this year. So I don't want to hear the organization push back on the fact that the fans are saying that they punted on this season. That, oh, oh, we don't feel that way. We're still only half a game back. Yeah, you're half a game back, and you did nothing to help your team in 2023. Not to forget the fact that the rest of the season – we have the hardest schedule remaining in Major League Baseball. In the whole league. Uh-huh. With, as evidenced by the fact that they're playing in Houston tonight. And they're losing know. again. They're down 2 nothing, and Probably going to right be now. a loss. Um, but, you know, <laughs> and then we make a trade today right at the deadline, right around 6 o'clock. We ship out Josh Bell, which... That's fine. I don't really care about losing Josh Bell. The guy was a complete and utter dud this year. So I don't really mind that. What do we trade for? Infielders. What do we have more of in this organization than any other team in Major League Baseball? Well, before infielders. The, before the trade deadline, I would have said pitchers. But, yeah, now it's infielders. Well, it's not pitchers because a lot of our pitchers are hurt. Uh, right. But... Let's trade for more infielders. What the hell is going on? We've needed outfield power, and I, and I understand that power hitters, you know. We've needed outfield power since about 1999. <laughs> that pretty much ever since Manny Ramirez left in free agency in 2000. I just, the division is right there. And essentially, the Josh Bell trade, it, Basically amounts to a salary dump to save the save the organization cash because we're cash poor apparently. If he wasn't performing anyway, I have no problem with it. Yeah, but if you're going to trade him, at least try and get something back that can help us this year. Mm-hmm. A bullpen pitcher, a, 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 a low level starting pitcher that can replace Savali. Something. Yeah. No, we're going to trade for we're going to trade Josh Bell for a <coughs> a third baseman who he ended up just flat-out cutting because he sucks so bad in uh, John Segura or whatever the hell his name is. And the other guy is a 20-year-old middle infielder who's not going to help us for three years at the earliest. It's a salary dump. So don't tell me that you guys still are confident and, and still feel like you can win the division. Yeah, that's true because the division sucks. It's not anything that you guys are doing. It's the fact that everybody else in the division stinks. The division is there for the taking. You can make one one or two of those moves to bring in some guys that could help you this year, and you could do what Tito Francona teams do every single year and go on a run in the second half and run away with the division. But no, the only way we're going to win the division is if Minnesota craps down their leg. That's what it's come down and, to, which is very possible. Boy, did they ever do that this well, week. Well, I got swept by the Royals. We, we were talking about how good of a week the Twins had the previous week. Boy, oh boy, they started the week by losing the first two to the Mariners, and then they go to Kansas City and they get swept. That's I mean, it's like the wow. Twins and the Guardians are mirror images of each other. I mean, let's not. We, let's haven't, not, we haven't done that. Let's not. Well, <laughs> let's not gloss over the fact that we got shut out in back-to-back games against the White Sox. That's pretty bad. I mean, they still did split that series, but that's a team that you should be trying to get three out of four out of, for sure. Because again, yeah, I mean, you made mention of the schedule, and you know, this is as they say, this is usually when the Guardians really start playing and playing hot, but. Yeah, the schedule is daunting. You, so, after this series against the Astros, which they play tonight, they play again tomorrow, I mean, they could drop two more games there conceivably. 
They then play the White Sox home for three. But then after that, sweep that series. Look at this. You play Toronto for four. Mm-hmm. Then you play the Rays at Tampa for three. That's a team that has absolutely crushed us in the regular season. You'll, pro- the you'll probably get shut out by Savali. Um, then you play Cincinnati for two. Cincinnati's having a pretty yep. good year, Cincinnati's so first that's not right a gimme. You get four against the Tigers. That's going to be very important to get at least three or four, if not a sweep there, because then you got to play the Blue Jays again, and then you got to play the Dodgers. Yeah. So yeah, August is brutal. There are two there are two gimme series in August, and go figure. They're both in division series: the White Sox and the Royals, or no, the Tigers. Tigers. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you basically have to sweep both of those series to to stay yeah, in it. You figure you're going to take lumps elsewhere. Yeah. You basically have to sweep, and then in September you've got six or seven games against the Twins, which might end up deciding the division. But again. Are the Guardians doing this? They did nothing to try and help themselves this year. They punted. I can only think there's two th- two possible explanations for what the Guardians are doing right now. One would be if they're just being arrogant and they're just assuming the team is going to turn it on in August and September because they just do. Or they're saying, you know what? We might still win the division anyway. We might not. But after that, we're surely going to get crushed in the playoffs by whoever we play. So what's the point? I I I really that's I mean that's where probably I that's where they are. Probably I mean they're never going to come out gonna, and say that right. They're not going to admit that. But that's that's unless what these trades are telling me. Unless unless thinking. Sean Payton was the manager. Good God. Anyway, crossover on sports there, but uh, you know prompted Aaron Rodgers to say, "Keep my coach's name out your effing mouth." Never thought I'd ever see a guy like that sticking up so much for a head coach that was a complete screw-up. Well, he was never Aaron Rodgers' head coach. He was his offensive coordinator. And he was actually a pretty good offensive coordinator with Aaron Rodgers. But that, right. it's that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tangent, so uh, we'll leave that there. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's what leaves me very frustrated is because, it, listen, the Guardians are having a bit of a renaissance at the ballpark when it comes to team attendance this year. They're up a lot over last year. And you thought that might be the case, given the fact that the Guardians won, what was it, 92 games last year? Last won the division? Year, won a first-round series, and then took the Yankees to the limit in the divisional round. So you would think there would be a nice little bump there. Also, you know, they've done some creative things with tickets. Uh, you know, the, the ballpark pass where you pay a monthly fee and you can come to – However many home games you want, that's fabulous. Um, by the way, which is a which is a which has been a, a huge success. Um, but the Guardians have had a, and it's a significant. I don't know the number off the top of my head. It's a significant percentage raise in attendance uh, this year over last. And yes, the team has been up and down, hot and cold all year. And the only reason why we are still in it is because the rest of our division is absolutely horrible. But what does the team do to reward the fact that the fans are, you know, for, for, for years and years and years, the organization would always bitch, whether it be in the public or not in public, about the fact that nobody comes out to the games. Why are we going to spend money? It was, it was always a chicken and the egg thing. You know, the old adage is you got to spend money to make money. You got to spend money to get people to come out to the ballpark. Well, that's obviously a risk for the business owner. So, you think, okay, well, we'll spend money when the fans start coming out to games. Well, that's really not how that works in sports. You're you're trying to get the almighty dollar from the fan. You have to prove it to the fan to make them spend their hard-earned cash on and your to, team. And to the large extent, that's not the way it works in the business world in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you think- so so th- we've had this we've had this this market jump in attendance. And people coming to the ballpark, spending their hard-earned money, coming to support the team. And then this is what they do. Now, look, we've 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 lived through worse trade deadlines, all right? This is the team that has traded multiple Cy Young Award winners and All-Stars all over the place because they know that they can't re-sign them because they know that ownership can't uh, pony up the dough to resign these players once they become free agent eligible. This is, you know, this is something that's tried and true with this organization. That doesn't mean that we have to like it. 
What did yeah, they no. do? What did they do to make themselves more probable of a playoff run over the last week? What have they done? They did nothing. Give them an F. Nothing. They did. It was worse. Now in the future, three years down the line, given what this team usually does in trades, we're probably going to look back at this and be like, "Oh, that was actually pretty smart what they did." I don't care about three years down the road. I don't know what's going to happen in three years down the road. In in February of 2020, did we really think that we were about to experience a, a two plus year long pandemic and have our worlds uh, turned upside down? No. Oh dear God. <laughs> We have no idea what's going to happen in three years. Most likely, we're going to look back and say, oh, yeah, that was a good trade. Yeah, that guy we got, yeah, that was good. That guy we got for Savali, Savali's a middling pitcher, whatever. But this guy we got, he's our first baseman in the future, uh, Manzardo. He's hitting home runs, blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm not worried about three years down the road. Maybe the front office is there. You know, they're paid to worry about that stuff. They're paid to plan for the future, whatever. I'm a fan. And I'm incredibly frustrated with what they've done over the last few days. What's your take? No, I mean, I, I think you have really encapsulated the way that fans really at so many times feel about the Guardians, that they're not really trying or that their methods are such that they don't, real always, they don't always align with winning as the end goal. Uh, you I'm mentioning the bottom line and how the ownership doesn't always want to spend and sometimes doesn't spend at all. Um, I'm more of a pragmatist when it comes to this, and I, I feel like they are, again, looking at the lay of the land and saying, we're not winning a championship this year. And I think they made their decisions largely based off of that, not get you know, not really thinking about uh, the oh, division so or the playoffs a, that, per yeah. se. I, that's another thing. That that's, that's disappointing. That's I get why they're doing it, off. though. That's another thing that pisses me off, that whole that whole thinking of, oh, well, we haven't won a championship in 75 years. When is it going to be the year where we think we're going to win a championship? Even 2016 was seven years ago now. Yeah. When is it going to happen? And I'm sick and tired of this front office getting a pass because, oh, they're good at trading for prospects. They did spend money in free agency. Who did they spend money on? A guy that they... DFA'd and cut in June, and a guy that they just jettisoned out of here today. Yeah, total misses on both of them. Flops. Yeah. So yeah, I I do I give I give most of the crap to the ownership for not spending money, but for the Guardians giving Josh Bell seventeen million dollars is a lot of money to them. Did it they is. and they saw no return on investment? That guy sucks. Yep. He's got like nine home runs this year. He's supposed to be a home run hitter. Nine in four months of play. It's like two a month. Playing most of the time. He hasn't been injured. He's been playing. He's yeah. just been sucking. He's probably had what three hundred. Guys like a sw- guys like a swinging door at 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 the plate. Like, probably had almost four hundred at bats already. Could, could, you know, he could be uh, he could be uh, uh, doing the the running of the bulls and o laying all you know just. You know, just ole with a swing. You might as well attach a red cape to his bat when he swings. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of it. When they actually do pony up and spend some money, they're spending it on garbage. And I called Mike Zanino being crap the second they signed him. Yes, you did. Terrible. Awful. I was more open to the Josh Bell signing because he's he, he he's proven it in the past. Because they had a lot more of a pedigree. But my God, terrible, absolutely horrible. So it's just bad. It's bad. And I, again, like I said, three years. We might look back on this: the Savali trade, getting Manzardo, uh, the first baseman. He might be great for us. We don't know. All I know is we are in the middle of a uh, a divisional race. We were only half game out. We're half game out. We're probably going to lose the Astros tonight. We lost the Astros last night, so we might be like two games out at, at night's end. But half a game out, and you guys did nothing to help the team in the here and now. You know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, we're getting, we're getting a little bit of uh, – 
too worked up about trading Aaron Savali. Aaron Savali is our best pitcher right now. He has a two and a half ERA. And and the justification is you trade him now because his value is never going to be higher. I get that. I understand yep. that. Mm. That's actually not a bad way of thinking. The problem is, okay, then trade him for somebody that can help me now. Trade him for an outfielder. No. We the our return is we traded for we traded for three we traded three of our guys. Rosario, Savali, Josh Bell. I mean, none of us are like, okay, Savali, I would love. If we were 15 games out right now, would not be even having this discussion. Nah, yep, yeah, right. If we were in the, AF, the AL East right now. If, if, we, were, if we had yeah. just traded Rosario and Josh Bell, I'm not heated. Aaron Savali is our best pitcher this year. He has a two and a half ERA. He's been our best pitcher over the last couple months. He's probably the biggest reason why we're still in this division race. And again, this is coming off the heels of your franchise's best player taking a giant hometown discount on a contract extension in order to help the organization be more competitive around him. Take that money that maybe he deserves. You know, he's he's earning about $21 million a year on this extension. Jose Ramirez could get $35 million a year on the open market. Easy. Yeah, he could. So that extra $15 million should be used to help make the team around him better. But what are they doing? They're punting. This, Until next year. This year they gave it to Josh Bell. Ugh. <laughs> so we trade those three guys, right? What are our needs? Our needs are starting pitching and help in the outfield. We traded for... Okay, we traded for a starting pitcher, but a starting pitcher who hasn't been good in four years. And we traded for three other infielders. That's the part I don't get. We have 72 second basemen and shortstops in this organization and farm system. Literally, guys, we can't find places for, and they're they're start. What? Why didn't you trade some of those out? Some of those infielders to go get a power outfield bat. Why? Oh, because we don't think we we don't think we're going. You know, like you said, the the sentiment probably inside the organization is, yeah, we might we might backdoor our way into the division title this year, but then we're just probably just going to get swept out in the in the wild card divisional round. Well, why the hell are we playing the games the rest of the season then? Oh, frustrated, yeah, you would, man. Yeah, you wouldn't see. I mean, say what you want about Dan Gilbert and Jimmy Haslam, and they certainly have their flaws, but. You know, with them being in the thick of a dis- of, I mean, divisions don't matter so much in the NBA, but like being in the thick of the race, let's say, yeah, two thirds of the way through the season, like the NFL example would be like, this is week twelve, and the Browns are like a game out of the AFC North lead. Yeah, this technically would be after the trade deadline in, in NFL speak, but like, you wouldn't be seeing the Browns cutting guys or. Or trimming salary at that point of the year, it, it just wouldn't. No, happen. actually, on the contrary, if you look if you look at the total dollars spent cash wise in the NFL, the Browns are king. The Browns have the Browns have spent more cash over the last three years than any other team in in the NFL. That's actually pretty surprising. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because that was not the case last decade, but you know now obviously things have uh well i'll tell you what quite a bit when you sell your uh when you sell your business for like nine billion dollars you've got a bunch you got a you got a bunch of cash burning a hole in your pocket that is true so uh boy i cannot wait until i mean and you know what to to put a feather on this cap here bottom line is we we talked about earlier with the schedule they're playing the astros now they got the blue jays they got the rays they got the reds Series with the Reds in Cincinnati ends on August 16th. If the Guardians come out of this stretch and they're more than five games under 500, nobody's going to pay attention to them the rest of the year. Oh, no, of course not. Because we're going to be close enough to football season where that's going to become the focus and they're just going to be relegated to the back pages. And that is a shame 
when you consider, as we mentioned I actually, before, yeah. all of the increase in the attendances, in the people you know going to games, the TV ratings have been very good. I feel like you're going to see a market. Th- this two-week stretch here where they're playing good teams is really, really important because they don't come out of it well, and they're like four or five games behind Minnesota. It's going to be fold-up tents. And, and you're going to see those numbers just drop off big the rest of the year. I actually think you're going to start to see uh, the numbers drop off immediately. Oh, so you think that people's minds are already made up. Yeah, I think so. I think I don't think you're going to see as big a walk-up crowds. No, maybe on the weekends, maybe. But, you know, kids are, you know, summer break's about to be over for kids. Yeah, uh, probably. Kids are going the... back to school in the next couple weeks. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm frustrated. Um, again, the whole uh, we're, we don't think we don't think we have a chance at winning this year, so we're going to try and set up in the next couple of years. Dude, it's been 75 years since the Guardians have won a championship. I'm not here for that kind of talk. You're half game out of the division. You should be doing everything in your power to make sure that you win your division and have a chance. You never know. What can happen now? This isn't as prevalent in baseball as it is in like hockey or, uh, you know, the NFL. Not so much recently, but in the past, you know, we've seen six six seeds in the NFL playoffs win the Super Bowl. But you know, you get to, it, it's similar. It's similar to the NHL. You get to the you get to the playoffs and you have uh, your starters get hot or you get a hot bullpen. You could you could go on a run and go to the World Series. Just like in hockey, if you get a hot goalkeeper, you know. Yeah, it's harder to do in baseball, but yeah, if, if you have, a, I would say, a few pitchers that are absolutely killing it, that's usually the formula for success in the postseason. Yeah. You know, look at back in 2016. You know, part of the reason why the Indians got as far as they did was on their pitching, and part of the reason why they weren't able to finish was because they had, you know, what was it, Salazar, Carrasco were both out, and then. Uh, Bauer decided to have that drone incident. It's like they're down to two pitchers, basically. Pretty much. You know? And ultimately, they lost a 3-1 lead against the Cubs in part because they just didn't have any pitchers left. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And this rant is not because, like, I hate the Guardians. It's it's the the absolute, on the contrary, I love the Guardians. They were my first sports love. 1995. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, we were. We were eight. We were eight years old. The Browns left. Yeah, the Browns were. Well, they're in the midst of leaving town. Yes. And the Guardians opened up their window in '95, and that's how I started my sports fandom in my life. Was the '90s Indians, the mid '90s Indians. That's right. All the way through until the early 2000s, when you know they sold off a bunch of the players from that era. And they were bad for a little bit, and then you know they were good. We all remember what happened in '07. Ugh. Um, and then on through until the the Tito Francona area baseball, which has been fantastic over the last ten years. But again, seventy five years since we won it all. Two thousand sixteen, we should have, but we blew it. And I don't want to hear how over oh, over the last decade uh, the, the the Guardians have the best regulars regular season record in the American League or second best now probably the Astros have the best but I don't care win in the playoffs since 2016 outside of last year we have progressively gotten worse in the playoffs until we didn't even make it 2016 three and one lead in the World Series we blew it 2017 we arguably had a better team that year we did and we blew it in the Divisional round against the Yankees. That one. Two thousand eighteen. We got swept in the divisional round by the Yankees. Two thousand or by the Astros. Astros. Two thousand nineteen. We didn't even make the playoffs. That's the one year in the Tito Francota era where we went uh, under five hundred, eighty and eighty two. This will probably be the second year, but two thousand twenty was the COVID year. We ended up making the playoffs that year, and we lost to the Yankees. Hmm. And then we freaking lost to the Yankees last year in the playoffs. God. Seems like the Yankees and the Astros. We, are used just, to, we, we, used, we can't get by either one of those. We teams. used to kick the Yankees' ass in the playoffs, or at least do a better job of what we've been doing. God, 
So I'm just frustrated, man. I've seen this team go backwards every year pretty much since 2016. If we would have won that World Series, maybe maybe this wouldn't hurt so much. You know, you up, until, up until last year, we've had to deal with the we've had to deal with the Cavs sucking ever since we've we won that championship in 2016. But at least they got the job done. When you get opportunities to perform and opportunities to succeed, you have to take advantage of them. Yeah. I was in the stadium for Game Five of the 2017 ALDS, and that might have been the most miserable I have ever been at a sporting event ever. Yeah. Because I knew as it was happening that it was not likely that we were going to have a situation where we were an overwhelming favorite going into a postseason again <clears throat> going forward because you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. You know, you think, like, if your team's good now, you'll probably be good then the next year. Not necessarily. You can't count your chickens like that. You know, you could have guys leave. You could have injuries. You could have a global pandemic or whatever, you know, something ridiculous that just, you know, impacts everything. You know, so, the, I mean, seeing that team that won 22 straight games and won 102 games go down after being up two up two nothing in the series. I, you know, with the possible exception of the 54 World Series, that was the worst postseason loss in the Guardians' entire history, in my opinion. It was that bad. Even worse than than blowing the 97 World Series in Game 7? I would say yes, because that series was nip and tuck the entire way, and they were down 3-2 going back to Florida after five games. Were they up by a run in the ninth? Yeah, okay. Sucks that you didn't finish that game, but it's not like they were a overwhelming favorites at the outset, and b only needing one more game out of the next three to clinch the series. Or I'll, or I'll even give you twenty sixteen. We're up three one, and we lost game seven at home. Yeah, we lost game six and seven at home, which is very bad. That being said, I think the injury situation, particularly with the pitching staff makes it a little more explainable. I mean, it's still bad. Yeah, but, but I mean, you like, well, uh, you got to a 3-1 lead with that same situation. You couldn't win one game out of three with two at home? That does stink. Does. I mean, I I mean, I'm I'm I I, still, I, I, I can't I can't listen. I think your I, team was better. I agree with you. you. full strength in 17 and you're playing a worse team, too. The the Yankees in 17 were not as good a team as the Cubs in 16. Yeah, I mean, I I I agree with you there. I just I I think I think it being the the clinching game of World Series trumps in both cases trumps that. I mean 97 you were like I don't I don't know if it got to a strike away but you were an out away from winning the World Series. And then and then 2016 you're up 3 to 1. You lose game 6, you lose game 7. Game 7 you look like you have lost. Then Rajay Davis hits that home run. We bring back all the momentum. Then that mother effing rain delay happens. Then Jason Kipnis hits that foul ball that that looked in like off his inning. bat, looked like it was going to be a home run to win the World Series in the bottom of the ninth inning. It did. He hit that ball a long way. And it was foul. Oh, my God. I mean, it's not like it was right against the pole. It was quite a ways foul, but, man. Yeah, but when you when you're when you're when you're on edge, you're st- oh my god, it's bottom of the night. We can win the mother freaking World Series right yeah. now. At home, could you imagine? I mean, they would have rushed the field. Oh yeah. Oh, it would have been yeah, like, been would like major league all over. Walk again. off winning game seven of the world. Are you kidding? Oh, oh yeah. God. The whole stinking crowd. The has whole ever, horrible would would have rushed the field. Has that? Has that? When was the last time that happened? Was that In baseball? Was that ninety three? The Blue Jays with Joe Carter. I believe so. Yes. But was that game seven? That was game six. Game six. They, they yeah. were up three two. Never. They, I don't think it's ever happened in the game seven. Hit a game winning home run. One time in baseball history. It okay. Happened. In 1960, Pittsburgh. Bill Mazeroski wow. did it. That was wow. against the Yankees too, which was awesome. Damn. <laughs> oh God. That and that underscores the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have done nothing my entire life. Won a championship more recently than the Guardians. Yeah, so this is why this whole thing of, <laughs> This is why this whole thing of when you have a chance to win the division and you're you're making trades to set up future seasons and not going for it. 
I get it. That I get it. The division sucks, and the Guardians, even if they win the division, probably are getting swept in the wild card round. Like I get it. They're not good this year. They overplayed last year. They played over their uh, over their expectations, over their skis, and the chickens are coming home to roost this year. And they're not. They're not as good. They're playing. They're probably playing a little bit below their level last year. But last year they played way above their level, more than likely. Yes. Particularly so in the last two months, things are evening out. But the division is still staying like crap, so you have a chance, even though you're having a struggling season, to win the division again. And you're just – I don't care what they say, and I don't care if we're probably not going to be more than four games out for the rest of the season. They're punting on this season. They don't expect this team to do anything the rest of the year. If they end up backdooring into the division championship, it's going to be, a, oh, great, well, that happened, cool. I that I'm just frustrated by it. I, frustrated. Yeah, like I said earlier in this whole rant seg- sequence, at least the Browns are trying to win. Yeah. And I don't give their ownership very much credit very often, but they are. And it doesn't look like the Guardians are. Well, I was about to say I I just I I can't wait until uh until uh David David uh David Wolf Blitzer uh, takes control of the uh, of the Guardians um, in the next couple of years. Hopefully, buys out the rest of the Dolans, and the Dolans can just get the hell out. Mm. I'm just sick of it. And you know, you you can I can just see it. I can just see it coming up to the trade deadline. Well, like like what you said, how they're probably having internal discussions about how yeah, this team's got no chance. And so Paul Dolan's like, well, just start shedding payroll. I don't want to keep writing these checks this year if we're not going to have any chance. So what do they do? They start shedding payroll. They listen to what the owner says. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, which oh. brings me to an interesting thought-provoking question. Okay. If a news article came out and this, like, you know, wasn't just some rando, like, this actually had legs. Mm-hmm. Let's just say for sake of argument that, like, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia was that you're <laughs> buying the Guardians. Would you be on board or not? Uh... Probably not. I so it wouldn't be okay to have just any money bags come in. We, no. we would have to be somebody that at least I, was a little bit reputable. I have a very hard time seeing our mate. Well, I guess I shouldn't because PGA did it. But the major team leagues, I have a hard time seeing them allowing this fund to infiltrate their leagues. And it'd be especially odd in baseball because they don't play baseball in the Middle East. Like well, they, they, don't, they wouldn't have any real I, they don't really they, they don't really I don't think they care about that. But actually major major league baseball would make the most sense because that's the only sport in, in America that doesn't have a salary cap. That's hey, that's a true statement. Every, everywhere else, the everywhere else, the PIF would be on equal ground with everybody else. Yeah, like it, Major League Baseball is has the economics that's most like soccer over in Europe and in the world. You know, without a salary cap, without sure. you know, all the rules and revenue sharing and everything. So, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, now you guys know our thoughts on uh, what the Guardians did on the trade deadline. Uh, I'm sure there's some out there that disagree with what I said, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm frustrated. Speaking of teams that are frustrating to people, tell me if you've seen this movie before. Okay. We have a national team uh, going to a World Cup. They play two teams from Europe and draw both of those games. They play a team from Asia and they win. They get five points in the group stage. They finish second in the group, and they move on to the round of 16. I'm getting a serious case of deja vu here, and the reaction is completely and totally different, except in one aspect. The coach for both the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team have both gotten completely panned for what they've done. Are we at a point where right now, and, and I'm talking, referring to the U.S. women's national team, they um, tied Portugal 0-0 this morning to 
advance barely by the skin of their teeth to the round of 16 at the World Cup. Are we at a point where this team is done and everybody is just waiting for the final crushing blow that may come against Sweden on the weekend? Or oh, I have no idea. Does this team have legs? I have no idea. I haven't watched a second of the, World, of the Women's World Cup. In our defense, the games are on in the middle of the night. It's in Australia and New Zealand. It's not the easiest event to follow. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. That'd be a good excuse. But I don't know if it's still. I mean, the game. The game could start uh, at seven o'clock at night, and I probably still wouldn't watch it. Mm. Even with the Guardians playing like the way they are, I would find something else to watch. To be honest mm. with you, I just. Yeah. So, in other words. This does have the feel of. I mean, people are upset because we're not dominating. We've dominated the last two World Cups. Yeah, we're not dominating anymore. That's why people are upset. That's why people are probably mad at the coach. That's why people are like, "What the hell's going on?" You know. What this does show is the purpose and the value of both expectation and history with regard to a team in the current situation. Because, like I laid out at the beginning. What the U.S. women have done was absolute, up to this point absolutely identical to what the men did in Qatar last December. And yet, for them, this is, this is like a disaster. It's calamitous, whereas on the men's side, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is great. You know, Pulisic just put in the goal that beat us the Dennis around 16, beat Iran, who was like our mortal enemy in the geopolitical world. You know, this is great. And then they got smacked by the Netherlands, but, you know, that was real to be expected. The Netherlands are a much better team. Um, but here it's just terrible. So you, know, you brought up this analogy earlier in the week, too, with, like, Manchester United, which is basically the New York Yankees of the English Premier League, which is a great example because they've not won a championship since 2013. The Yankees not won the Major, major League Baseball title since 2009. Was that the last year uh, Manchester United won the Premier League? 2013, yes. So it's been a decade for them. It's been a decade and a half for the Yankees. And, you know, if you compare it to the U.S. women's national team, they're back-to-back defending champions. So it's like it's, it would be old hat if they were even making a serious run at a third title in a row, and now we're just so jaded that it's like, oh, geez. You know, I get the feeling that fans, legit fans of the U.S. women's national team are acting kind of like how the Cavs, how Cavs fans were in 2018. It was our fourth finals in a row. People were just kind of over it in a lot of cases. They weren't they weren't happy about having to stay up past their bedtime for all the games in the Eastern Conference Finals and the finals. I don't know. It it just it's it's fascinating seeing a run of a team that's been so great for so long and you just get to an end point and it's like we saw this I kind of saw firsthand the same thing with Spain's teams from 2008 to 2014 when they came out the first game of the 14 World Cup after going back to back to back Euro World Cup Euro and they got pounded by Netherlands 5-1 in the first game and all of a sudden it's just like oh well that's that and yeah now it's the party's over the confetti's on the floor and it's all there is left is to clean it up yeah but well, I think also just because like the majority of people the majority of people wouldn't give a damn about uh, the women's national team if they weren't. If they weren't still if they weren't great. If they weren't defending champs, you know. It, interest is derived from expectation on <clears throat> on many levels with some of these non. Uh, I don't want to say non traditional. Yeah. yeah, like not the non. You know, not baseball, not basketball, not football. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but. No, I think you're right. I, I, no, I, I thought, but, but you're right too. I mean, I, I think people are, people are starting to see like the, you know, uh, the, you know, the old, uh, was it the Ferris Bueller? Why are you still here? Why are you still here? It's over. Go home. So I think we're just yeah, like like you said, we're just they're just kind of waiting for that that final like death blow almost in this team, um, and then and then they'll probably just fade into the oblivion. It would actually be somewhat poignant if it was Sweden that was the team that gave the U.S. the coup de grace because they we've played against Sweden the last three Women's World Cups, actually beat them in the knockout stage in 2019. 
they took us out in the Olympic semifinal last in 2021. So it seems like every time there's a major tournament, we end up against these girls. And, you know, maybe this is just it. But uh, that game takes place at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> Set your alarm for that. Huh? Yeah, I will not be watching uh, that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But what it does what it does show is that when you do have greatness in front of you, you really got to enjoy it because you don't, like I said before, 2016, 2017 with Guardians, you think the next year is still going to be great, but maybe not. You never know when the end's going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, we're sort of commiserating here, so I thought it was kind of yeah. right to talk about that. Too right Speaking now. of commiseration, let's talk about the Browns here for a couple minutes. Uh, oh, geez, we got negativity about them too. No, it's early in Kool Aid season. Uh, no, Come on, no, it's been twenty-four years of negativity. <laughs> so that's why that's what I'm relying on. Um, Hall of Fame game is Thursday. Browns versus the Jets, which will lead to the ultimate culmination of Joe Thomas being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, Browns are back from Greenbrier in West Virginia. They had their first open practice of the fans today, and uh, yeah. They are rocking and rolling now. Pretty much, I think pretty much every team is in training camp now. I know the Browns and the Jets obviously started early. Uh, Jets are on hard knocks, so we actually could get some some footage of the Browns on hard knocks uh, on the first episode coming up. Um, but uh, but yeah. So for the most part, everybody is staying healthy. Uh, we haven't really had any injuries. Keep doing that for good measure. Yeah. Um, none of the starters are going to play on Thursday, obviously. I mean, I think it would be an absolute surprise if that were to happen, uh, especially considering this is the extra preseason game. It's not even a regular preseason game. It's an extra one compared to every other team in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, we will get to see a lot of the young guys, the rookies, the undrafted free agents, uh, guys who are on the bottom of the roster fighting for a roster spot. Um. Yeah, not really much else to say about that. Um, obviously, once we get past the Hall of Fame game and kind of get into the nuts and the bolts of the preseason, we'll start doing some more uh, previews. I do want to – we won't do it this week, obviously, as we're at the end of the episode. But uh, next week, I do want to go over some some uh, Browns individual stat prop bets. Mm. Well, you won't be here, so whoever whoever I have with me. It's going to be mandatory listening for when I'm on the beach next week. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we'll see because uh, I know you're probably going to go with the under on everything Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Aside from maybe interceptions for the season. Or wow, jeez. Like <laughs> wow, all right. I might have to actually hold you to that. <laughs> well, I guess I'll see what all the prop bets are. Yeah. I, you know, there the one I saw – uh, a few weeks ago when I was with my golf league buddies and we were, you know, deciding who was going to the Super Bowl or whatever, was like passing yards per game. And it was actually a pretty low total. It was like two forty five. Yeah. And I was like I think that's his that's probably an over. I think the Barstool Sports book set his over under yards passing for the season at thirty six hundred. Okay. Wow, yeah, that's not very many. That's only like 215, 210, 215 a game? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would. Yeah, that's, I would pound the over. I would assume to hammer the over on that. I mean, the only way he does not hit that, in my opinion, and this isn't just because I think he's going to be really, really good. 210 yards passing in today's NFL is not a lot. No. But that does assume that he plays every game. Right. So if he goes out. Yeah, because it's not average. It's a a cumulative total. Cumulative. So if he goes out with an injury for four to six weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, that number becomes a lot harder to hit, you know. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, not going to be too much to watch for on Thursday with the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I, you know, I will say that I, I don't know what the I, I, I don't know what the Browns are doing if they just they aren't very creative anymore. They're doing another fan. Uh, they're doing another fan vote for what should be at midfield. What should what logo should be painted on midfield? Hmm. I I don't understand this. First of all, just just leave it the way it is. And just 
it's not even that I that I absolutely love the elf at midfield and the and not only the elf, the freaking giant elf that we have at midfield. It's like you're you're the Cleveland Browns who you talk about being so deeply steeped in history. But you keep changing things every year. The new dog logo, the, the, the midfield. We're now the the white helmet uh, alternate uh, uniform, which I get. the The white helmet's actually an ode to the history of the club, so I'm I'm not making fun of them for that. But it's just like for a team that talks about history and tradition and all this stuff, you guys are jerking around with a lot of the stuff. And again, they're all historical elements. Like obviously, Brownie Elf. That's a historic logo. But before this year, Brownie the Elf was never at midfield. It kind of surprises me that they're considering taking Brownie Elf off the 50 in the year where they are going back to the helmets that they wore back in the 40s and 50s, the, the white helmet. I That, that yeah. doesn't square with me. So here are the—oh, uh, where is it? They have a bunch of clips from training camp today. i got to get down to the actual options. So here are the. I don't think there's any option that I would pick the over ops. Brownie Elf. There's Br- Brownie Elf. Yep. The new dog logo. Uh, uh, nothing at all. Just the brown, the, just the stripe, which yeah. they had for a couple of years before Brownie the Elf, mm-hmm. and then going back to the helmet. Uh, those are the four choices. Yeah, just see, between those, the, it's it for me. It's definitely Brownie yeah, the Elf. Just stick with the Elf. Just, uh, just leave it alone. You know, because if you make the new dog logo. Uh, then then you're sort of pushing that as like your primary logo, basically. Right, which it's not, and I yeah. don't want to see it at midfield. I don't want to see that. It looks fine on a T-shirt. I don't want to see it on the field. But Unless you're actually going to do an actual rebrand, and that's it, and you're all in. But they're they're not doing that, so. Well, if that's the case, if they're, if they're all in on a rebrand, they need to actually rebrand it. New name, new colors, new everything. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not in favor for because to me it then feels like it's it's not even the same franchise anymore. But anyway, no better than the Ravens at that point, right? Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, quote the Raven, nevermore. Um. So, yeah, not much really else to talk about. I guess that's a good thing. Is that a good thing? The Browns are having a quiet training camp. It's yes. Probably, probably. Yes. No news is good news. It's probably. I mean, they had the whole Perry. Absolutely. There's the, there was that whole Perry on Winfrey thing, but that's that's done. That's one guy. He was a moron. He's out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, but no. Yeah. I, I I tend to agree with you. Quiet. Quiet training camp. Good training camp. They're just they're just getting their work done. Yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully, looking forward to a good season. Man, we need a good Brown season so bad. <laughs> After what the Guardians did today. Oh. <sighs> anyway. Anything else? Anything else we got to cover? AC Milan plays Barcelona in Las Vegas tonight at 11 o'clock. That game is starting in about an hour. I will be up what, till what 1 in the morning. It, what, what is with these soccer games starting at weird hours? I mean, geez, oh, man. They're on, they're, they're on the left coast, man. <laughs> that game will be starting at 8 o'clock in Las Vegas. Wait, 8, right? Or is that, Are they Pacific yeah, or Mountain? Eight, eight, uh, Vegas is Pacific. Pacific, so 8 o'clock it will yeah. be starting. 11 o'clock on ESPN here. Uh, I'll be watching Christian Pulisic. Uh, play once again for AC Milan. It's pretty exciting. They also completed the signing for uh, midfield uh, USMNT midfielder Eunice Musa, a 20-year-old out of Valencia. So that's exciting. Uh, so he will not be playing today. Uh, but uh, but yeah, AC Milan is definitely courting the U.S. market with these buys. Oh yeah, definitely. So. We'll see. Every Italian American on the East Coast and and elsewhere is going to have know, a reason to really I'm, follow you. Yeah, now, I mean, obviously they had they, they had this uh, they had this tour planned out probably a year or so in advance, but it it does make me kind of think why they didn't have uh, a stop or two scheduled on the East Coast where where the Italian American population of the, is dominated. Yes, but uh, but yeah, mm. so. Yeah, I got to see him in 2015 at uh, at uh, Acrisure Stadium, yeah, in, formerly known as Heinz Field. Pittsburgh, that piece of crap stadium. <laughs> it's like old Columbus Crew Stadium, basically that place. It's like a bigger <laughs> version of old Crew Stadium. So, all right. Well, we're battling. So, uh, you can follow us on social media at Stiffs McGee on X. <laughs> Are you zeding more now that now that it's X or, or no? Oh, X. zeding, I think is what they're calling Z- it. Oh, okay. X uh, E E T I N G. Okay. So. I'll have to get right on that. Yeah. Whatever that is. 
Uh, and I'm at Daniel J. Ford. Uh, you can follow the show on X and Instagram and Facebook at the LOTL podcast. That's so weird. I know. It'll get taken some used to. Well, hey, you spend $44 billion on something, you should be able to call whatever the hell you want. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, appreciate you guys listening as always. This has been episode 266 of Living Off the Land. I will see you next week. Steve will be back uh, in two weeks uh, with uh, hopefully some stories of having some delicious Lou Dogs. Best buns west of Madrid, baby. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Have a good week. Uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.